Hi friends, this is Jeff Fitz, and we are all on a journey of discovering, embracing, and living who we are created to be and do what we are created to do. True purpose comes when we live in alignment with who our Creator designed us to be. When we also use our uniqueness to live fully, bless others greatly, and ultimately bring glory to the one who created us. We can make a more powerful impact when we walk in community and not in isolation. This podcast is for those of you who want to be inspired by stories of everyday people. Everyday people who are succeeding, failing, and growing on their journey to live lives that are greater than themselves. If this resonates with you, come join us as we humbly journey together in the light, on mission, and for the glory of our Creator. Hello, everybody. Um, I'd like to welcome welcome you back to the Journeying Together podcast. And this is actually going to be part two um, of last time, and my current guest also, is uh, Sylvia Sullard. And so it's going to be part two of a conversation about spiritual formation and what living the good life really is. So uh, welcome back, Sylvia. Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. Good. So I want to do first. I want to say that if you have not, uh, for those of you who have not listened to part one, go back and listen to part one first to kind of get a foundation of what we're talking about. Um, but I know that some of you aren't going to do that, so I'm just going to have Sylvia give a quick little, uh, just a summary of just kind of what spiritual formation is, just in case you've never heard of that term before. Term, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, spiritual formation, formation is happening all the time to all of us. There is not a human alive that is not being formed. So um, spiritual formation is looking at really the question of who do I want to be? Who am I becoming? Um, and recognizing that everything that I am bringing into my life, both from habits, thoughts, media consumption, books that I'm reading, uh, conversations I tend to have, even our hobbies, all of those things are shaping me to be a kind of person. And if I'm a person that is trying to be a disciple of Jesus, I want to be a Christian, I want to be a Christ follower, then I'm I'm aiming to look at the things that are shaping me toward that end goal as to be like Christ. That's what a Christian is, is somebody that's being formed in the way of Jesus. So spiritual formation, that's the big umbrella term for those things that shape us in that direction or not. And I, after our last conversation, I was kind of thinking, I was like, okay, so what is the difference or is there a difference between spiritual formation and like sanctification? Because in my head, I was thinking, you know, you know, sanctification is what comes after you're saved. It's sort of you becoming, being conformed and set apart to be like Christ, you know, that, that process by which we become more surrendered and more like Christ. That's how I kind of see sanctification. So is there, is there a difference or the same thing or 
what's the yeah no that's the that's really the uh old king james version of what right. this is okay yeah yeah it's the same thing it's that just that term is hardly recognized even from people that have been in church world right for maybe 20 or 30 years depending on your particular stream of faith your denomination where you attend church um sanctification that term may not ever come up that isn't that's not to say they aren't doing it but that that term may not be used but the the really academic uh way of speaking about spiritual formation would be what you're describing as sanctification got it just kind of yeah rebranded in a different sort of terminology right. that is a little more relevant or may seem right. more connecting to people kind of like saying a discipline versus a practice right exactly I mean, people hear the word discipline in mm. this culture and they think oh that's like ah, working out or something that. or something right. that's hard versus right. a practice is something that you do in order to get in order to get somewhere right um well good so what we we ended the last talk conversation talking about maybe some because you had mentioned in, when we were talking some practices disciplines whatever that as believers we can do that might help us you know move toward a relationship with christ move into who he has designed us to be so I think it'd be great if you just kind of share me what are some of the things that people have done, what things you've read about, you've done personally that have really helped you lean into that. Yeah, there's a um, there's an old book and it is I didn't um, bring it to show you. Of course, people listening wouldn't see it anyway, but it's a um, it's a book about an inch and a half thick of spiritual practices. And and this is spiritual practices are there's you know kind of probably eight or ten that have been um would probably be familiar to everybody um right so this would include worship taking communion prayer uh communication with god uh reading scripture uh bible memorization um acts of service uh to others um so those are those are considered spiritual practices, right? This is the working out of our salvation that Paul talks about in Philippians, right? He says to that church, you know, with fear and trembling, work your salvation out. And Jesus in like he ends the Sermon on the Mount, right? With the in Matthew 7, with his parable about wise and foolish builders. And he prefaces that last parable as kind of a summation of everything he's he's been talking about in, the, in his sermon. And he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise builder. And he goes on wise to tell, builder. Mm -hmm. right? He goes on to tell the story. Um, if you go through, I know I did this recently, you go through the Gospel of John and you just mark out how many times Jesus says put these words of mine into practice you know at one point he's somewhere and his mom and his brothers show up and the disciples are like hey you're you know your family's outside and he makes this comment you know my family those my brothers and sisters are those who hear god's word and puts it into practice, practice yeah so this is a this is a theme 
right, that, that just runs all that. You cannot read any of the Gospels in particular or really any of the New Testament without running into this reminder of practice. And so there's practices that we pull directly from Jesus's life, right? How many times it says he disappeared, he went up into the hills, Wait, I was thinking pray, about that. Mm -hmm. right? And they're like, where have you been? What are you doing? Well, I'm talking to my father, right? Um, and he regularly attends tabernacle. He goes, he goes to a place of worship um, to the temple, right? He's, in, he, he's sitting under teachers up until he becomes a rabbi. So there's, um, there's these practices we can pull from, from Jesus's life for sure. Um, but there's also practices that um, are, are more centered to who I am. Now, if you've not done any of this, I would say you start with those really basic ones to begin to form my understanding. That's discipleship. What is my understanding of the Christian faith? What are what's considered Christian doctrine, right? So yes, attending church every Sunday or whenever your church gathering meets, right? You've made a commitment to go. That's a practice. You are getting up, you're telling your body, we're setting the alarm, we're going. Let me let me ask me to stop you really quick and let me throw this in here before we yeah. start with what the practices are. Back up for a second, and before we launch into what those might would be, mm -hmm. what is the reason behind, like, what's the why from God's point of view? Like, what is it that God, why does he say these things? Why should we even be doing these things? Mm -hmm. What's the drive? Like, someone's out there listening, like, why should I even do this before we talk about what they are? Yeah. Why is it even important Yeah. in 2022? Right. I mean, right. I have an app. Why would I need to, you know, it be with other people? Practice. I have an app. I mean, come on. I have an app. There's a hack for this somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I've said yes to the way of Jesus, I have said I place my belief as much as I understand it in this invitation that Jesus gives for salvation of my soul and the salvation of my life, which starts today. This life that I'm living right now, not just what happens to me after this body dies. If I am placing myself and saying, my, my trust is in you, Jesus, then as I just said, you can't read through the scriptures, you hear Jesus, uh, and then later the disciples and the, the, the apostles who wrote, right, the rest of the New Testament, that this idea of we get to participate in this good life we, we there's a place for there's a part of us uh, or a, a role that we get to play in this process and the the end goal right is to respond to jesus's invitation where he says to the disciples initially um right at the end of his life you know that you are going to go on and do even greater things than i this and John 17, where he prays for, right, the, his disciples, first himself, disciples, and ultimately you and I, right, right anyone right. who follows after, right, what is he praying for? He's praying that we might experience this life that he has come to inaugurate, he calls it the kingdom of God, and to, uh, um, to experience the unity with our creator, just as he did Right. I, I don't have that whole thing memorized. I would love to be able to say yeah. I do, but I, I don't. Um, 
right? And so, so that that gives us a picture of what it is that Jesus is imagining for anyone who follows after him and puts these words of his into practice. This is the life you were designed and created to live. Now we have all this baggage and woundedness and betrayals and, you know, we live in a busted world that has mm -hmm. evil at play in it. So there's a lot of sorting that out and, and, you know, unlearning or maybe relearning new habits because our, even our physical body gets habituated in a certain direction. And so spiritual practices is looking at all of that, which is why this is a lifetime adventure and starts to retrain us, including our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our, uh, our heart toward other people. The other thing is scripture is really clear on what spiritual maturity is. It's, it's two pieces, love God and love others. So if I am not growing in my love of God and I'm not growing in my love of other people, then I'm not growing. Something is, is wrong. Now I can't just effort my way there. There's some things that I need help doing. I think we talked about this last time, but my willpower, yeah. right, is really small. So it's the, um, I have this image in my head uh, from the Karate Kid movie <laughs> way back when. I know it's probably been redone, uh, but there's, you know, that one scene where he is with the master and he's got a wax in his car, right? And it's, you know, and he's like, why am I waxing the car? What am I doing this? This has nothing to do with karate. But that's the principle of indirection, right? He's habituating that young man's body a certain way. And then he's going to, at a later point, show him how that is going to make him a better karate master. But if he had just spent all that time working on the karate, would he have been as skilled? Probably not. We're going to trust the master knows best. It's the same thing here. Sometimes there's practices and it doesn't seem to have a direct link to whatever I'm trying to, um, you know, retrain myself or shape myself towards. So if I have a, a real issue with greed and I'm just constantly shopping or wanting to, you know, accumulate a lot of stuff because somehow that, that dopamine hit that I get when I get something, a package in the mail, has become a driver in my life. And I'm realizing this has roots in my soul to, to toward greed or lust, which is not always sexual, right? That can be power, it can be other things. And I'm bringing this to Jesus to, I, I, I desire to be relieved of this. I wanna shape my heart in such a way that I can walk past a mall and have no inclination to go in at all that I simply get what I need and I don't accumulate things way beyond what I don't need because that means somebody else isn't getting it and I'm just storing it. So if this is something that I'm, I'm working on with Jesus, there may be practices that we are invited to participate that don't have direct link to just where my credit card is or cutting up my credit card, right? Things like that. Um, so, so there's a number of this principle of indirection, um, but the, you know, the big goal 
is to learn to live my life as if Jesus himself were living my life right here in 2020, modern America, yeah. for us on an island. Um, and, and once I started, I mean, it took to be honest, it took probably about a year or so before I even became sort of even comfortable, slightly comfortable with that statement, right? Because that's a big statement I'm very aware of that I'm asking, I'm asking Jesus to so form and shape my life that it would be like Jesus himself were living his life through me. Now, I don't have any delusion that I'm Jesus or that that is going to come to total fruition, this side of heaven. But it is so fun that I want to I want to be leaning into that as much as possible. And that's where these practices kick in. So the practices of, um, you know, the worship of reading the Bible each day or several times a day or you know, on a regular basis, um, prayer, experimenting with different ways of, of communicating with God, um, worship where it's, which could be musical or it could be using the arts or it could be, you know, um, journaling. I mean, there's all these different ways of, of doing that. Um, all of those things are daily shaping my heart toward him. It's a formation. It's a formation question. Now, underneath, I realize I'm saying a lot of words, <laughs> but underneath this is a, um, is a theory of change. So uh, I just heard a, a pastor, John Mark Comer, who's former pastor of Bridgetown in Portland, Oregon. And I've heard him speak about this um, a couple of times, and I think he's right on the money in that um, our, all of us, including our church as an organization, has these theories of how people change. So we say to somebody, come into the Christian church, pray this prayer, receive this invitation, and now um, grow like Jesus. And we have this theory of change that we operate by, usually not stated clearly, that if we give you enough information and you want to change, you're wanting to do that, that by giving you enough information and your desire, and that's going to result in change. Well, if you do any historical study on, say, let's say the D.A.R.E. program, right, that tried to tell kids drugs are bad, so we educated the daylights out of kids in the 90s, 80s and 90s, right? Did that result in less drug use? No. We still have as much drug use issues and addiction issues, if not more. What they do is we just have smarter addicts. They know all these things, but that doesn't get to the root of what it will do to what it requires to actually change that behavior. Information alone is not that. Information and inspiration. Come to church and let's have an amazing worship time and we'll feel close to one another and the serotonin will be flowing and we'll give you information and then change will happen. That doesn't work either, right? So, so these practices are what 
begin to give us an actual something that we can participate in that allows that change that we're desiring to have happen to actually begin to bear fruit. So I'll stop. So if, <laughs> gotcha. So, so if you're to think, gosh, two questions, I guess. So let's talk to two different kinds of people. Okay. Let's talk to the person um, first who maybe they're in the practice of they go to church every Sunday or whatever, mostly they, you know, they read their Bible, uh, they pray on a regular basis. Um, so what might you tell, not tell, what would you, what practices might you offer to them that might help them deepen those practices or to something else to do? And then, and what would you say to the person who just, they just accepted Christ as their savior and they know, you know, they, the church is like, what, what's church? I just like showed up and mm -hmm. like, I have no practice. All my practices are like those other kind of practices. Right. right. <laughs> don't quite align. Right. right. So what would you, just out of curiosity, what would you tell mm -hmm. them or the spirit behind it? I mean, what, where would you start? Yeah, for me, uh, I would, I would say, um, catching a vision for why we're doing all this was really critical to me. And that we talked about that last time, right? Having a fuller understanding of what the gospel was, that the gospel had something to do with this life, not just a salvation ticket for my soul. Um, and, um, and so that, that for me, my own story was that was a, that was the real, like, fire under which I suddenly got it. Now, maybe that's just my really slow processing brain, but I finally got it as to why this is something that I want to begin to experiment. And it was reading, you know, it was kind of the, um, for the layman, the not academic seminary level person, right? Reading Dallas Willard, who is can be very academic, but um, Richard Foster, kind of the two, um, in our lifetime, um, you know, two big uh, authors who are writing about spiritual trans transformation for the person just coming and sitting in the pews. I began to just devour their work around this. And it, um, so that was the, that was the spark that sort of turned me from being a go to church, do the thing, and I, I believed, but I still had this hard, I had a hard time going, I don't see any change in me. And I, um, I th but I think I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, not actively violating any laws that I know of. Um, and I'm not hurting anybody, I don't think. And I do think you should believe this way, but this life piece I was missing. So for that person coming in, that's maybe had a lot of church life experience, um, but feels stuck. I would, I would send them home with 
Um, now I like to read, so that's a that's an easy spot for me. But um, even exploring some of their website, there's lots of videos online that you can access um, to begin to get why why should I start in this new process? What is that invitation? Is that really for me? This invitation that if Jesus were living my life. This is how it would look, right? With him, with his, the fruit of the spirit is what we're talking about, um, right? This love and this joy that I would naturally respond to situations that happen in my life with those fruits rather than the fruit of my own selfishness, which is hoarding and protecting and getting mad and selfish and all that. So, um, yeah, getting a, getting a vision for uh, for this good life that we can have. For the person that is coming in and all of this is new, that's beautiful because you're not gonna have to relearn maybe bad church habits or things that just help you feel kind of stuck, right? You begin to have this fresh slate by which you can begin to build in already early these um, these habits that these practices that will um, encourage that formation toward Jesus um, in in new and beautiful ways. Um, and I would there would be books I think appropriate for that person as well. But I would say you'd start with kind of the basics of attending church, finding somebody that you trust that's a, maybe a little further along on the Christian road than, than you currently are and um, get in a habit of talking about things around faith and God and real life with them um, is, is critical. Worship, scripture, putting scripture in your heart. Every time we're reading scripture and we're putting the words of Jesus in our heart, even if I've read it a thousand times, I'm, I'm allowing that word to form my heart and my mind and my soul. So that makes reading the Bible pretty, pretty critical. Um, and then prayer and realizing prayer is every practice I have for friendship with my, my friends is a practice I, I use with God. So spending time, intentionally doing things with God, um, inviting his presence his voice uh, to be alerting me as i go throughout my day um, it doesn't necessarily mean a sit down fold your hands pray this recited prayer uh, in the morning before you leave for work um, it's just there's just so much more there are you saying that i could actually like you said like you know you go out to dinner with your friend that I could like go out to dinner with God and I'm sitting there by myself and here's the meal and I put a chair up there and just pretend like I'm, hey God, what's up? And I'm here's what I'm going through and just just talk to God like like he's he's there, you mean? I could just have a conversation with my creator. You can. I, I, I can do that. You can do that. Some people, I know some people who set a chair right next to them, you know, they're people of great imagination. Yeah. I am not so much wired yeah. like that, but but still, but yes, 
it is this, like I just, in the last couple of months have been learning this new practice around prayer and specifically the prayer of lament. I realized I didn't really know much about that kind of a prayer and it really encourages, it gives you four or five steps, but it really encourages that idea of sharing with God in prayer. It could be walking, it could be sitting, it could be writing it out, you know, whatever it is, but really sharing with God, like you would a friend, things that are painful, suffering, your questions, your complaints, you know, there's such a thing as godly complaint. Who knew, right? I was always taught. All the Psalms are a ton of what David said in the Psalms are like, That's right. I am just overwhelmed or I'm frustrated and yes. whatever. Where and and usually you? at the end, it curves around to, yeah, but I, I uh, trust you, but oh my goodness, I'm having yes. a hard time right now. And yeah. look at all this stuff that's going on. Right. But okay, God, I know you're there, but there is a yeah. Yeah. walking with God through it yes. as opposed to, I'm all good. Yes. It's all good. How are things? Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Which which is like yeah. ridiculous. I mean, or the, the other posture, which I find to be quite common, is to go, well, God knows everything anyway. <laughs> I don't need to say it. Right. And I had a professor once tell a story of, um, his daughter had to have a surgery. I think she was in her teen years. Um, you know, and so he's at the hospital with her and he gets in the room just before she's about to go under the knife, you know, and she says to, you know, her dad, um, dad, I'm scared. And he said, I know, honey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're strong enough. Right. And has this conversation with him. Now she could have said, well, dad knows I'm scared. Of course, dad knew his daughter was scared. But there's something about friendship that when we actually say those words out loud, we say these things to one another that deepens that connection, right? And we do that naturally with our friends all the time, right? Especially if somebody knows you for years and years and years or in a family situation, right? And they could probably guess based on how you're yeah. acting or looking, right? They could probably guess, or you could start a sentence and you know that they could totally finish that sentence for you. But if you're given the space to express, <clears throat> maybe once again, you know, how a particular situation is making you feel, what you walk away with this sense of, <clears throat> okay, I got a partner. I'm, I'm in friendship with this person. Um, could they have guessed where your feelings were? Sure. Same practice operates with God. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that there is, I mean, one of the things I, one of the main things I do as a coach is I help create the space for people mm. to actually process what's going on, mm. um, which this may have been needed also you know back when but i think today there we are bombarded by so much input mm -hmm. our phones and like we're never without our phone my phone's right here right it can go i turn the beeper off but it could be beeping right. at me right now and right. um you know jesus with his, jesus with his disciples they got to walk somewhere mm -hmm. Yeah. They got to walk and spend all that time just talking together and whatever. At night, it got pitch black. Mm -hmm. There was no electricity. 
Right, sitting around the right. campfire. They, so it was the, the rhythm of, you know, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, it's, it's you know, things quiet down. Now we have, we can have light 24-7. We have 24-7 bombardment. We have all this stuff. And even then, Jesus said he went off to a solitary quiet place right. to talk to his father. Right. Alone. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. Um, and I, when I what I hear on some of these practice things is we're carving out the time yeah. for the spirit to, act, to actually hear through his word and through the spirit, what's, what the spirit's telling us mm-hmm. to ponder, because otherwise we're just so filled with so much. I and mean, we can sit down and, oh, I can do my quiet time, bang it out five minutes. Okay. I read my three verses. Now I'm moving right. on with my day. Right. That's not actually meditating mm-hmm. on the word of God, letting him, speak to me through it that's me just chunking out a little bit of time um and it's not it a takes, practice of friendship for sure it's not a practice of friendship it's not a practice of listening mm-hmm. i mean it's not really a practice of learning it's like you're it's like this microwave version of yeah what it yeah. is like boop, you know either the instant burrito right um but there's a big difference between a microwave frozen burrito you get from the store right as the one you get when you go to a restaurant that's been prepared by someone who knows what they're doing and it's plated, there's a whole different feel and enjoyment and quality yeah, in sure. that. And I think yeah. as I've listened to you talk about the whole spiritual mm-hmm. formation thing as practices, like, okay, how do I approach my reading of the word mm-hmm. from a place where what does God have for me? How does this inform my life am i surrendered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um how do i my heart when i you know i go to, i go to church you, know, you could say i go to church every sunday right but but why am i going right. am i going to use the gifts he's given me to minister to other people or am i just going for to hear some you know a good sermon or to whatever it is and to begin to set aside time to do that. And I think for me, as I've heard you talking about it and kind of contemplated myself, I'm like, okay, I don't, it takes discipline, a practice for me to carve out that time to pause. And it cannot be done in five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. It takes more time than that. And I think um we live in a very microwave society yeah we do and this is the this is the challenge point i think for a lot of people um in truly becoming a disciple of jesus is it's it's a slow work and there are some days you're going to show up and you're going to do your practice maybe it's reading the scripture in a Lectio Divina way, which is a slower paced way of reading a particular passage, uh, you know, two or three times. Um, Or uh, maybe you're listening to some music for a while and just having some some focused worship, borrowing words of others put to music to try to express some feelings, right, Um, aimed toward God. Um, Or maybe just sitting in silence and there's going to be 
times where you do that and you, it, you don't have a feeling of closeness that results. There's not a, there's not a, like a, you can't walk away going, well, yep, I know I did that because I feel a certain way. I have clarity around this decision. I, right. There's not these, so there's formation. You watch somebody with pottery, right? They're, they're making really slow and intentional and small changes to that piece of pottery. And sometimes they're having to throw the whole, crunch it all up and start all over again, right? And, uh, but when they get to those places where there's something that's forming that you go, oh, they're making a bowl, I got you now, or they're making a cup or, you know, a platter or whatever, um, that the, the motions there, they're, they're pretty small, right? And that's a, that's a slower process. So we think about God doing that to me and in my heart and my soul, I, there's patience that has to be grown in me. And I think that's a God gift that, and a trusting of the vision. I'm trusting that this vision that God is forming me to be the best Sylvia he designed me to be, this side of heaven, that that formation process is happening regardless of how I'm feeling on this day. And that's going to carry you right when when i don't have the appropriate feelings that would cause me to go yep i'm signing me up i'm doing this again and that is challenging to our western independent microwave Mm -hmm. i always have control kind of society yeah Yeah. this really it really uh contrasts or um, gets in the face of our cultural values and that's one of the things that i've started to become aware of too is the more I do it, the more I realize this is this is almost confronting the values of the world that I live in that want to say, oh wait, the more you produce, the better you are, the more valuable you are. Right. And God says, come away. Don't bring anything. Let's just sit together, you and I, watch the ocean beach for a while life will still go on. You can step away. Nothing's going to fall apart. I got it. That practice, right, helps me to go, my value is not in what I produce. My value is because I'm a child of God. I'm an image giver, right? I'm a a being. It's confrontive to our culture. Which sometimes then we don't realize how much that those sorts of uh, values have so imprinted on ourselves, they've become our values. And so these practices, this indirection, then these practices, right, start to cause us to question, well, wait, I'm realizing I like to be in control. I like to be productive. I like, you know, whatever it is. And, and then that's something else to bring to God and say, okay, I surrender this. Help me to know what a healthy engagement is. Slow, slow process. So in closing, what would you tell the people who are listening, who are 
believers, they believe in Christ and have a feeling of they're just exhausted from the the go, go, go. They've tried to, you know, you know, we have that, you know, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man. They're, they're just, they just feel like they're, they're, they're in that place where they're, they're just kind of exhausted and tired and the, you know, it's like, well, okay. So I don't have time to read my Bible or whatever. And it, 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 because they're how they're approaching, what would you tell that person who's just, uh, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed, but maybe what you're saying, maybe there is something to this. God is a different thing for me mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm missing. Mm. What would you tell them? <laughs> yeah. I, um, Spiritual practices are not a way to earn God's love. This is not about earning. Um, This is not about trying. Um, This is about learning to be in relationship with the one who created you. And the one who created you did not create you for a life that just sucks you dry and that overwhelms you to a point of exhaustion and where the only emotion you feel is anger. And so if that's where life is at right now for somebody, I would encourage you to um, find a spiritual director or find a, a pastor or a trusted friend and begin the conversation and it will be a ongoing conversation on what surrendering your life all that it is to god's intention and learning to live life as he designed it i know for a fact that that kind of on the edge juggling 15 balls or 200 balls and um, only experiencing two emotions, <laughs> anger and happy, right? <laughs> um, so you're not accessing the palette of emotions God gave you. And there's this sense of not experiencing just life or even the ability to slow down for even an evening and just ex- enjoy the experience of being somewhere, right? Um, that is not life. And, and God has in Jesus outlined for us, given us an example of that, um, that life that he makes available to every one of us. So Dallas Willard in one of his books, he opens it with a chapter just sort of expressing this grief that so many of us who are Christians, um, you know, seem to make trying to be a Christian, a really complicated and heavy burden and things. And that's um, so in contrast to what we read in Jesus's life. So it's, it's clear in scripture. So something in us is, we're making this so much more complicated for people than it needs to be. And um, 
And if that's somebody's experience, I would just invite, find a spiritual friend, um, uh, uh, somebody you can talk about with these things, because it's hard to do that untangling by yourself. And, um, and begin small, really small, like one habit. And again, it is training. It's training like an athlete. An athlete uses their willpower to get out of bed early so they can go to the track or the pool or whatever a little bit early to put in their laps because they've got a vision of going to the Olympics. So they train for that end goal. It's the same thing we're doing with our whole life, with our spirit, is training it to be focused and for loving God and loving others. And... Um, and that's in the context of your life, whether it includes a family, whether it includes a job, you know, all of those sorts of things. So start small. Maybe your practice, if that's where you are as being so overwhelmed, is just to take 10 minutes and just sit on the couch with God. That's it. Don't read scripture. Don't do anything. Just sit. Say, God, I want to be with you. Yeah. Well, it's been like my phone ring in the background there. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking with you, Sylvia. And, oh, um, there's so will, much more. Yeah. We could talk more. We could probably do a part three at some point. Yeah, sure. But, right. Yeah. Um, until yeah. then. Until have a great then. Day, thank and you it's, very it's much. Good talking to you. Yeah. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye.